Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. <laughs> Baby! <laughs> what is... Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on the sweetest of victory Monday nights on the AFC East champion Monday night. And that can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break powered by BetUS where the game begins. Receive a 125% sign up bonus. In the link in the description below, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in as we celebrate, discuss, bask in the greatest story ever told as chapter five comes to a conclusion where the Buffalo Bills rally off five straight victories, overcome an improbable task, defy mathematics, defy percentages, Finish 11 and 6. Punch their ticket to the playoffs. Clinch the two seed. Clinch at least two home games in the playoffs. And above all, a fourth consecutive AFC East title. As the Buffalo Bills knock off the Miami Dolphins 21 to 14 at Hard Rock Stadium in South Beach in a game we won't soon forget. What an absolute roller coaster. That has finally allowed us fans to get off for a brief period. We are now at the, uh, it's almost if you've been on one of those roller coasters where it, it, it stops and then it, so it can hit the accelerators and it boosts you again. We've been going all over the place, twists, turns, corkscrews, loop-de-loops, all over the place, 100 miles an hour. And we finally just hit that part of the ride where you're you're sitting there waiting for the hydraulics to shoot you again. And we'll get blasted off this coming Sunday at 1 p.m. as the steel curtain tries to infiltrate Orchard Park, New York, with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo in the wild card round. Not going to get a whole lot into that game tonight because we're going to do a whole designated separate episode of the smoke break later on this week, focusing solely on the Bills versus the Steelers, that matchup, what to expect, and everything else. But tonight, tonight we celebrate. Tonight we soak this one in and we discuss what unfolded last night because we deserve it, fans. We deserve it, Bills Mafia, Buffalo Fanatics, tonight before we get into do or die, before we get into the dance, the postseason, we deserve a night tonight to sit back, reflect on what we had just witnessed not just last night, but the last several months, and really bask in in what that was, really take perspective on what has just occurred. 
because I think it might be lost in in all of this as we now put it behind us in the rear view. What exactly it took for these Buffalo Bills to be in the position they're in right now. It was about as improbable as it gets. And it's amazing how you can go two different directions in this league and defy the odds. Ask Jacksonville Jaguars fans today how they feel about how they went ahead and defied the odds. Not all that long ago, a 96% chance to make the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars will be sitting at home watching our Bills and the rest of the playoff teams compete. The Buffalo Bills were in the exact opposite position. 14% chance to make the playoffs, a near non-existent chance to win the AFC East. And as we sit here tonight, about 40 minutes removed from crowning another national champion in college football, the last four-team playoff will conclude as we sit here tonight. It all unfolded in our way. It's unbelievable. And when you sit back and really reflect and understand what it took to get here and understand that it it happened, the more you kind of understand to a degree the chances this team has to go the distance. In order to win a Super Bowl, you have to have not only a great team, a great quarterback, great coaches, really just a great organization top to bottom. Not only do you have to have all that, you truly do have to have luck on your side. Nobody ever is going to turn down being on the lucky side of things in this league. I mean, ask anybody. Ask Tom Brady. I mean, six Super Bowl rings and how many, or is it, is it seven? I don't, can't even, it's six with the Patriots, right? I don't know. But how many of those came down to one or two plays that they lucked out on? Tom Brady lucks out on Pete Carroll running up a slant route on the one-yard line when you had the most dominant back maybe in the modern era behind Russell Wilson, all he needs is a yard. Matt Ryan taking a sack, backing out of field goal position, allowing the Patriots to complete that comeback. You have to have the talent to be able to capitalize on the luck given to you, but you certainly do need to have luck on your side. And the Bills just displayed that eloquently. Not only did they have the luck on their side, which let's face it, how often did the Bills have luck on their side? Usually they're fighting two opponents at any given week, the team they're facing and the luck that seems to never go their way. But not only do they seemingly have the luck on their side, but they also have the talent and the team to capitalize on it. And that is what they've been doing since there were trick-or-treaters knocking on your door asking for candy. That's how long we've been on this ride for. And that's how long these Buffalo Bills have lowered their head tuned out the outside noise, and found a way. Perhaps in the toughest stretch of the season for them, when they were doubted by everybody, when they had to resort to firing their offensive coordinator, when they had to have their head coach and come out and speak on his own behalf because his character was being put into massive question. Josh Allen, of course, being labeled as a, Massive problem for this team, perhaps holding them back, all these things. Overcome all of it. And we're a 60-yard field goal in a downpour and a three-point lead in overtime blown away from winning six consecutive games, all of which were essentially playoff games, and making it happen. 
And then in addition to that, all of the other things that the Bills could not control that went their way. Last night isn't even what it was if the Miami Dolphins hang on to a two-touchdown lead with three minutes left against Will Levis and the Tennessee Titans, who at that point had not won a road game the entire season. That was also, until last night, the Miami Dolphins' only loss at home. The Bills are not playing for a title last night. We don't get to go out and buy the AFC East champion shirts today if that doesn't occur. The Bills are probably not the two seed today. If the Las Vegas Raiders don't pull off one of the best upsets of the year, double-digit dogs in Arrowhead on Christmas Day and embarrass Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills might not be in the position they are today. If Bailey Zappi doesn't lead a game-winning drive against the Denver Broncos for the New England Patriots and their field goal kicker who had one of the worst field goal percentages the entire year nails a 50-plus yarder to win it for them. They might not be in this position if the Steelers hadn't had the same result against the New England Patriots. Not to mention a variety of other factors that I'm sure I'm overlooking that all seemingly went the Bills' way. And even going into last night, one more thing to add, The Bills could have blown that game, which they sure as hell tried to do numerous times, and they still would have made it in because of Mike Vrabel, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and the Tennessee Titans who knock off the Jacksonville Jaguars team I mentioned earlier, who was winning in, winning, win the division. Tennessee Titans go in with nothing to play for, and they get it done. That's one thing that'll get overlooked because it didn't wind up mattering, but it very easily could have. And before Deontay Hardy, takes a 96-yard punt return to the house, you were pretty happy sitting there in that moment knowing the Tennessee Titans pulled that off. You were pretty happy in that moment knowing Trevor Lawrence was a half a ball length short from scoring on fourth and one and potentially sending that game to overtime and winning that ball game. So not only have the Bills done their part, whether it looked good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, but they had the luck go their way. And you could argue last night the luck wasn't going their way. And they still found a way to overcome. Let's get into last night. Let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about the individual performances, including, of course, Josh Allen, which I still, I I, I get, I just got chills just saying his name because I still don't even know. And this is, this is me almost every Monday night. What do you make of the guy? I've never seen anything like it. And in fact, I tweeted it out last night because, you know, 20 minutes before I make this tweet, I say, this is a horrendous outing from Josh Allen, which up until that point, it, it certainly was. Until all of a sudden it isn't. And it flips from being a pretty terrible performance, at least so it seemed. It flips from being a performance that at the time you'd argue was costing the Bills the division, the win, the two seed. It goes from that to being one of the best performances you've seen all year. And it, it's unbelievable how little sense it makes, how, how little sense he makes in general. It's just unbelievable to have that guy on your side, especially when you're watching what's occurring on the other side of things with the other quarterback playing in that ball game yesterday. It's, it's truly unbelievable. There's really no way to adequately describe it, but it's a privilege to watch. Even though it damn near gives you a heart attack on every snapback, 
it is certainly a privilege to watch, and it's twice the privilege to have that on your side. But here's what I tweeted out, because this is the best way to define it to me, right? Just when Josh Allen's at his lowest, his best is right around the corner. And that's the truth. In fact, you could really make that argument for this entire run here because Josh Allen going into and after that Denver Broncos game, it was just not good ball. And it wasn't just him. It was a collective amongst the almost the entire franchise. You could argue the defense was really holding up their, their end of the bargain throughout that duration, but they had their pitfalls as well. But, you know, there were how many times did we come on here and talk about Josh Allen really being a detriment at times to this team and their chances to go the distance this year and make the dance several times because it was a conversation to be had. But it just seems like right when you think he's just never going to, to return to the guy that you've seen make some of the most incredible plays of all time, right when you think it's just not his night and it's just going to be one of those nights, which there have been. I mean, I can't deny it. There have been nights where you don't get the amazing resilience and comeback like the week one game against the Jets. It just wasn't there. Right. But what was there immediately after that Jets game was three consecutive games where Josh Allen absolutely balled out. So I guess the point still remains every single time this guy looks like he's going to either cost you the game or he's just going to completely fizzle out. He winds up turning out one of the more remarkable, unbelievable performances you'll see. It is must see television. It is some of the highest quality entertainment around, not just in sports. And it's one of the more dynamic, exhilarating, fascinating, and undeniably dominant. I don't even, what's the word? I mean, he, all of that in the history of the game. It's nuts. And last night, you got the Josh Allen experience in full effect. If, jo- if the Josh Allen experience was uh, the equivalent of like a going to uh, a haunted house, there's some that are better than others, right? Some nights the Josh Allen experience is amazing. Sometimes, some nights it's, it's un- unbelievably bad. But the way that you can best describe the Josh Allen experience was last night. So say you go to this haunted house. Some haunted houses are great. Some haunted houses are terrible. Last night's haunted house was the exact, it, it, was, the, it was the perfect haunted house. It had everything. It had everything you could possibly want. You pay for the experience, you walk through it, and you come out of there, and you're like, oh, my God, that just blew my mind. I don't know if I loved it. I don't know if I hated it. But all I know is that was unbelievable. and. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, truly. I, I, I'm, I'm lost at what I just experienced. And last night, how you can go from a performance that was looking and tracking towards being one that was going to be maybe the biggest reason the Bills today are getting ready to stay in Miami and play the Dolphins again. You go from that to him being the majority reason as to why the Buffalo Bills, on paper at least, are the second best team today in the AFC, the privilege of hosting two home playoff games, the privilege of being crowned the AFC's champs for the fourth consecutive year. And let's face it, and this is what meant the most last night, 
the easiest path to the Super Bowl that any team in the AFC has outside of the Baltimore Ravens. And I'd even argue it might be a tad bit easier because the Bills wouldn't have to face, or I shouldn't say that. Well, I, I guess I will say that. The Bills won't have to face a division rival. The, the Miami Dolphins are not beating Kansas City in zero-degree weather. I, I, I don't care what any, anyone's argument is. What's the argument? What have you ever seen from that team and that quarterback and that coaching staff that allows you to believe that they're going to go into Arrowhead next week in zero-degree weather and win that ballgame? So with that point in mind, I think Baltimore might have it tougher if they have to go and square off against uh, the, 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 the Cleveland Browns, should that occur. So the Buffalo Bills, if they win next week against perhaps a TJ Wattless Pittsburgh Steelers team that backed their ass up into the playoffs by the grace of God, a couple of weeks ago, they were sitting at like a 10% chance themselves to get in. If they get that done, then they get to finally play Patrick Mahomes at home. And we know they're capable of beating them. That's what you set yourself up for. And that's, of course, if the Chiefs win, but that's how I see it. That's, why, that's where I see this going. But if you lose last night, I mean, look at the position the Miami Dolphins are in right now. What they just gave up. They now have to go to Arrowhead, like I just mentioned, and I just think it's a, it's a Herculean task I, that I don't think they're capable of. And why would, like I just said, why would you think that they are? What gives you the reason that they would be capable of it? I'd love to hear it. But let's just say hell freezes over. In addition to Kansas City already being frozen over and somehow too is able to melt, <laughs> melt the ice and get through there. The reward? Well, it would be those Baltimore Ravens I just mentioned, a team that just beat them, what, 56 to 19, was it? That's what was at stake for them last night, avoiding that. And they blew it. But I guess I will say to that point, I don't know if they were ever going to have a chance regardless, because even if they found a way to get out of there alive, do you think that they were going to follow that up with another one, another win within the same week against the Bills, a team that was 10 and two against them with Josh Allen going into it? I highly doubt it. The Miami Dolphins blew their season entirely when they lost that game with the Tennessee Titans. It was all but inevitable in that moment. You knew what was about to happen. The inevitable collapse of the Miami Dolphins, and that is exactly what occurred. And now it's just pick your poison. Last night, if you win, you're going to beat the Bills again? I sincerely doubt it. If you lose, which they did, well, congratulations. You're going to go play in the ice bowl against Mahomes. And like I said, by the grace of God, you get out of there, you get to go and get another, another uh, thrashing from Lamar Jackson who just delivered you the league's worst beatdown uh, last week. Everything last night was on the line. It was massive. And Josh Allen, it was the full experience. And I, I sat there in the middle of it. I sat there at the end of it, and I sit here now, and I don't necessarily know how to how – to, how to, you, you look at the numbers, right? Over, over 400 all-purpose yards. The numbers are absolutely off the charts insane. They're nuts, right? And it's not even including the little plays here and there that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Like the third and 13, that might have been one of the plays of the year. The throw to Diggs off the back foot, absolute dime. The numbers are insane. And if you don't, if you took away the INTs, right, and you and you looked at the the numbers, I mean, you would think that that all I would have to say tonight would be that was the greatest performance of all time. I mean, that was that was it was unbelievable. The crazy thing is, is that last night it was. 
pretty much a healthy dose of both. But the thing with Josh Allen is that seemingly when it matters the most is when you're going to get the best, not the worst. It's the opposite of the other guy in that game yesterday, Tua Tonga-Bailoa. When things are going easy, Tua looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But when shit hits the fan and he's got to come up big, he's the one who ends up hitting the fan himself. Josh Allen, polar opposite. First half, two bad interceptions. Of course, the fumble later on in the game as well, right before the half. And we'll talk about all of this throughout the night because there's several things. But, you know, the, 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 the errors on his end, all of that on his shoulders. Yet, towards the end of the game, when you couldn't really do much of anything on offense at all as far as scoring points, let me, let me preface that. This offense was obliterating the Miami Dolphins defense. If you were to just look at the box score, you would have thought the Bills won 50 to 10. But they couldn't score. A lot of that had to do with Josh Allen having three turnovers in plus territory. But when it mattered most, after the game was tied by the play of the game from Deontay Hardy, a, a switch completely flipped, completely. And you got the best version of Josh Allen that's around. And what that is is one of the best quarterbacks in recent memory. Goes down immediately. Touchdown. Beautiful drive. And then the final drive of theirs, and I understand it ends without getting a much-needed yard that could have iced it. I understand that, but think about what it took to just get to that point to milk that much time off the clock. It was ungodly. Unbelievable. And you take your chances every time on that guy getting that one yard when he was, what, 22 at 22 going into that attempt? What I'm getting at is at the end of the game when it mattered most, the final two drives, you got the best version of Josh Allen. And when it mattered most for Tua in the second half, he completely disappeared and was non-existent. And it's really the ultimate testament last night as to why those two should never be mentioned in the same breath ever again. And anybody who continues to do so, I mean, I hope you understand how foolish you look doing that. I understand you're a fan, right? And I understand you want to believe that and therefore want to project it in order to make yourself believe that. But it really does make you look like a fool. And it's not just Dolphins fans. There's several people out there in the media and whatever else that try to tell you every single year in September, early October, that Tua is right up there with the best of the best. He's on caliber with Josh Allen. And we talked about this the other night. Tua is a pro bowler this year. Josh Allen is not. Tua was in the conversation for MVP heavily throughout the year. Josh Allen really wasn't. There were spurts, but consistently, Tua was way way more prominent in the MVP conversation than Josh Allen was. And it's incredible. Because it's not even close. It's not even close. And last night, you saw why. Last night, not only do you see the difference between those two, but you see the ultimate reason as to why Josh Allen is now 11-2 and against that team. He absolutely owns the Miami Dolphins. And he goes into the playoffs once again, Rep, you know, showing exactly what he's capable of. And what he's capable of is willing that team to victory at any given moment. And what he's capable of is being one of the most dynamic playmaking <laughs> athletes in the entire sport. We'll talk more about him in a sec. Let's get into what this game was. And what this game was, was a heart attack. And we knew it would be. I knew it would be. I thought the Bills would win by a bit more at the end. 
just the way I saw it, because I thought that the wheels would fall off of Miami a little earlier than they did because of the injuries. To Miami's credit, I mean, let's really face it here. They didn't play well at all. Once again, if you look at the box score, the team stats, it does not look like this game should have been competitive, but in classic Buffalo Bills fashion, of course it was. 473 total offensive yards for the Buffalo Bills, 275 for the Miami Dolphins. 26 first downs to 16, 38 minutes of possession to 21. That right there might be the biggest tell as to how you might think this team, this game went a massively different direction than it did. 77 total plays to 48. Mind you, they had the same amount of drives. It's not like the Bills had 12 drives, the Dolphins had seven. Nine drives apiece, and this is what this is what the results were. Drastically different. Eight yards per pass to six. Yet somehow the Buffalo Bills, like they like to do, they find a way to muck up the water every time. And last night was exactly what we've we've been conditioned to experience with this team. And it's unfortunate, but when they win, it's almost exhilarating. It's weird because the more down and out you are, the more thrilling the victory is. The Bills last night did everything they could to lose that ball game. You could say that about so many games this year. But then again, they did everything that it took to win the ball game when it counted most. That's what blows my mind. Teams who typically do what the Bills did last night almost always lose because they don't have the ability to overcome it. It's very strange. The Bills have the ability to do two things. They have the ability to blow every opportunity given to them. And then almost in the blink of an eye, they have an opportunity, or they have the ability rather, to completely change the game on a dime and will themselves to victory. They're one of the more unique teams in the entire league because of it. I don't know if anybody else is quite like that. And as a fan, I mean, like every week is, it is a three-hour heart attack, and last night was no different. And you start that game off with the Miami Dolphins looking like they were going to be able to run the ball all night. and. The more you think about it, the more they probably should have. The Dolphins only had 20 rushing attempts last night for 108 yards. To keep that into perspective, the Bills had 16 more rush attempts than the Dolphins did and only 20 additional yards. Dolphins were running that ball last night. They went away from it. Early on, Tyreek Hill immediately makes an impact. 60 yards and a touchdown in the first half. In the regular season, Tyreek Hill has never exceeded 69 yards against the Buffalo Bills and has one touchdown ever against the Bills in the regular season. He had a touchdown and 60 yards going into the half. In the second half, the Dolphins stopped running the ball. The Dolphins stopped trying to get the ball to Tyreek Hill, and when they did finally have their opportunities to get the ball to Tyreek Hill, he pissed himself. Two major drops. Major drops. 
But the way the game started, you weren't expecting it to go that way. It started off with Tyreek Hill having a major impact, and it started off with their run game humming, clicking. And no better representation of that run game really getting after than the Devon Achan touchdown to put the Dolphins up 7 nothing. What was it, a 28-yard rushing touchdown? And I believe they'd go on in the broadcast to say that that had a 0.7% chance of getting into the end zone. Unbelievable run, beautiful moves, broken tackles, somehow found his way in. And it looked like they were going to have their way on the ground. The Bills' offense, on the other hand, to try to counter, they were slicing up and down that field all game long. But every single time they had an opportunity to really go and just blow this game out. I mean, you think about it. There, they, if they just would have settled for a field goal almost every time they got into opponent territory, the game would have been over way earlier than it was. They could not even do that. And that, to me... <sighs> You think back on this game, and it really, it's almost like PTSD. Because you're in that first half thinking it's just going to be that, and it's going to be one of those nights. It's just going to be one of those nights. How could you not think that the way the first half went? Because the Miami Dolphins, despite not being able to put up many points themselves, I mean, let's remember, they score 14 points, but all 14 of those points come in the second quarter. The Miami Dolphins were shut out three of the four quarters. But when you look at what the Bills did, They have seven points going into half, and you could really argue they should have had what? At the very bare minimum, 21. I mean, I guess maybe the bare minimum, 17. I would say bare minimum. And the one touchdown they do get was a blessing from above because Allen throws a sidearm laser over the middle to Trent Sherfield. It gets immediately blocked at the line. And how often? Do those balls get tipped up and picked? They never go the way that it went. That's what I was saying earlier when the the, the luck sometimes just needs to be on your side. That's a luck play. You've already thrown an interception down down near the red zone, right? You've already thrown an interception. You need to have points there. If you don't, God knows how the game goes. And you throw the ball, immediately gets tipped, and that was like a sack fly in baseball. That ball must have went 15 feet into the air. And you had so long, the the duration between the ball being thrown and it being caught was so long, you could literally sit there and say, oh, my God, this is getting picked off. And it's tracking and it's tracking. And Trent Sherfield, not only does he catch the ball, not not only does it make it to him, but he keeps both feet in bounds as well. Unbelievable. But that's the only points the Bills have to show for their first half. Where they would go up and down the field during its entirety. How this game even got to the point where it wound up being a thriller was because of the squandered opportunities, primarily in the first half. We know we had the fumble in the second half, but let's talk about what happened in the first half that really allowed the Bills to keep the Miami Dolphins in this game. Bills go all the way down the field. This is, of course, after picking off Tua on the initial drive. I should have mentioned that beforehand because it did seem like the Dolphins were going to be able to run the ball and get Tyreek Hill involved a lot early on, but that was after the initial drive 
where Tua throws just a god-awful pick. Terrible interception. Well underthrown, about 10 yards underthrown into double cover, just a bad ball. Bills pick it off, and they immediately have a chance to pounce. And they do. The Bills really take advantage of that. They go all the way down the field. Tic-tac-toe, slicing and dicing. It was a beautiful drive. And you immediately get to not only grab the momentum, but think about how big it is to defer the kick, get a pick, and then immediately score afterwards. That's tough to bounce back from. It flips the whole game around, the whole entire dichotomy of the game. And they get all the way down to the five-yard line. And once again, and how many times now has this happened? Miscommunication between Josh Allen and Gabe Davis. You're on the five-yard line. Allen's under pressure, which he was a lot last night. The offensive line was having their struggles at times. When, the, when Vic Fangio dialed up the, all, the all-out blitz, Joe Brady did not have many answers for it until later on when finally Josh Allen beat it with Dalton Kincaid, proved he could beat it. Dolphins backed up a bit, and you did notice the offensive line improve throughout the game. But early on, really no answer for that all-out blitz. So Allen's under pressure, but it's miscommunication again. Go back to the Eagles game, and there's a few other examples in between that are, that are blanking on me right now. With the Eagles game, the most prominent, of course, because they win that game if they're on the same page. But there's been at least three or four of these examples where all that needs to occur is Allen and Davis being on the correct page, and it's points. But once again, Josh Allen goes left, Gabe Davis goes right, and it's intercepted. So you, you get all the way down to the five, and you blow it. Picked off. And for as many turnovers as Josh Allen has had this year, he's as, as close to automatic in the red zone as it gets. That was an outlier. Throwing interceptions, not an outlier for Josh Allen. Throwing interceptions, turning the ball over that close to the goal line, that's an outlier. And it's a gift. Because you just got the opportunity to blow this game off or blow this game uh, open early, and you give it right back. And then you go and do it again. They go all the way down the field, right, after forcing a punt. The game's still nodded at 0-0 at this point, by the way. You look at these two teams, the last time they played, 68 total points. Bills put up 48 of them. You go into this one thinking there's probably going to be points lit up on the board all throughout the game, and it just wasn't the case. And it wasn't necessarily that they weren't capable of it. It was the opposite. They were more than capable of it on both sides, but both found a way to squander it almost every, every opportunity given to them. The Bills just had more opportunities, yet therefore they squandered more of them. But they force a punt. You get another opportunity to go and take advantage of that, mainly because the Dolphins took that interception out of the end zone. Terrible decision. So you get the ball back. You go all the way down the field again. You get right into field goal territory. Another interception. Now this one a bit more forgiving because it's fourth down. Allen extended the play for as long as he could. Nothing open underneath to get those short two yards. So he just hucks it deep, praying to God someone's open, and it's an interception. In that moment, you'd almost argue it was it was beneficial to the Bills. In fact, you would argue it because that's about a 15, 20-yard difference in field position. The fourth down conversion just wasn't on in the cards. He could not get it, so he chucks it deep. The Dolphins get it at the 20-yard line. They would have gotten it near the 40. had. The defender just batted it down. But still, you got two consecutive drives where Allen's throwing a pick. I understand it's a de facto punt, and it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world in that moment based on the situation. But think about the psyche that gets affected 
by a play like that for Josh Allen. It's still two, two interceptions and back-to-back drives. I don't care the, the, you know, the surrounding elements of it. Still two interceptions that can't weigh on you in a positive way. And it was only a matter of time before the dam was going to break, and it did. That's when the Dolphins go all the way down the field. And they cap it off with that touchdown I was referring to earlier from HN. And that's when it started to look like the Dolphins were going to be able to run the ball on these bills, and they were going to be able to get Tyreek Hill involved in a way he really has not been against these Buffalo Bills. And the Dolphins were going to need that in order to keep this game competitive because they're without Jalen Waddle, they're without Mostert, and really the only person on that field that was going to be a game-changing type player for the Miami Dolphins, at least in the past game, was going to be Tyreek Hill. And he's been pretty much non-existent against the Bills. Yesterday was probably his, not probably, it was his best game against the Bills in the regular season, and it still only resulted in one score and 82 yards. Not that that's a bad stat line by any means, but from his standard and what he's done to other teams, especially him being the only person out there that was going to be able to, to dictate this game, not the best. Also, when you consider the fact that 60 of those yards were in the first half and the touchdown, hold him to about 20 yards in the second half. That's nuts. But in classic Bills fashion, right when the dam seemingly starts to break, they have the answer. They're really good at this. They're really good at stacking up the problems until they collapse. And then all of a sudden, right when they collapse, they're really good at immediately building the tower back up. They go down and score, match it instantly. And that's, of course, where that tipped it, that tip ball caught by Sherfield. Unbelievable, unbelievable play. Tie ball games. But what would occur before the end of the half was really what probably had you, because I know it had me, it's what had you feeling, man, this just is not their night. You got to remember, you already have two interceptions under the belt of Josh Allen, one on the 35 of Miami, one on the five. At the bare minimum, that's six points. But I'd go on to argue that's, that's more than likely 10 points. You got to assume the Bills probably go for it down there near the five, eventually get in. I would just argue either way, whether one of those drives went one way or the other, it seems like 10 points is a fair way to assess what could have been extracted from those two drives. But I will say, you know, if you leave it just at the base level, six points. And in a game that's 14 to seven, six points are massive, massive. But what really had you thinking, man, this just is not the Buffalo Bills night tonight is the, is the occurrence right before the half. Once again, like they had done the entire first half, they go all the way down the field. And I remember looking at my dad once they got over and I just said, because getting into Miami territory last night was no problem at all for these guys. It was no problem at all. They were doing it at will. But once they got into Miami ter- territory, at that point, you were just waiting for something crazy to happen. Because up until then, something crazy happened every single time. You had two interceptions, and then you had an improbable touchdown for the Bills. So every time, whether good or bad, something crazy happened. And I looked at my dad, and I said, uh, j- j- what's going to happen now? I- I- I'm terrified. They're in position to score. What's going to happen now? The only thing that can't happen is either a turnover or another outlier that you weren't expecting, getting stopped in front of the goal line, going to half. That is... In that moment, and I don't know where the breaking point was for you. I'm sure you had one last night where you just felt like it wasn't going to be there tonight. 
that was the moment for me that put the exclamation point on it where I'm thinking, nope, they just can't catch a break tonight. They cannot catch a break. I understand they caught a break on that tipped ball, but that was now th- three to one, a three to one ratio in favor of them getting, getting boned or screwing themselves really. So the situation at hand, right? You're at the Miami 11 and you're without a timeout. You either take a shot to the end zone, which of course you do with that amount, that amount of time, try to get touchdown on the board. And if not, you send Tyler Bass out there. You take a 14 to 10 deficit in the half and you reassess. If you go back and look at the play, I mean, Ty Johnson's wide open. He's wide open. And I understand why Allen threw it. But, and I was shocked that this occurred. Sean McDermott said it right before the half. To, uh, to Melissa there, the sideline reporter for NBC. He's, you know, usually you don't hear the coach be that transparent right before the half. They usually just give you a bunch of bullshit. Oh, we got to do, we, we got to clean this up. And then, all right, thanks, coach. But he literally said, can't be throwing that ball in bounds there. And he's dead on accurate. Look, you go back and watch. First of all, just an unbelievable defensive play. What was it? Jerome Baker, I believe, with the hit. It was just an incredible defensive play. Because if you go back and look at the replay, uh, you understand wholeheartedly why, why Josh Allen threw that ball. Because not only was he wide open, but it looked like he had plenty of space after the catch to then go into the end zone. But Baker closed that gap on a dime, nailed him, kept him out of the end zone. Now, of course, there were moments last night where, yes, the Bills did have some luck go on their side. They certainly had some go against them. I forgot to mention earlier, the missed pass interference on Dawson Knox, the play right before Allen throws the interception that he was trying to go to Gabe Davis on and just completely went the other direction, basically handed the ball to Miami. The play right before that, blatant missed pass interference. Not only was it an egregious pass interference to begin with, but it was also two feet in front of the side judge. No call. No call. And as I always say, you know the play is bad. You know a call or non-call is bad when the, when the commentators take note and spend time showing the replay and telling the audience, yeah, that's a terrible mess. But then another example, the one I'm talking about right now, amazing defensive play on Baker or from Baker, but it should have been fla- it should have been flagged by the letter of the law. That is a helmet to helmet hit. Textbook lowered his head, speared Ty Johnson right in his helmet. Textbook college kickoff or uh, the college national championship just kicked off. Right, if that play occurs in college football, Baker's thrown out of the game. That's a 15 yard penalty. It's targeting, and he's tossed from the game. Instead, no call. So right there, not only have you got the two interceptions, you miss out on points right there. Not only, like I said earlier, you leave six to 10 points at the high end, 14 on the low end, six, somewhere in the middle, 10. Not only do you leave that on the board yourself, but you, go, you could also argue that the referees perhaps took away 10 points in the, on their own volition. Because if the targeting, if the helmet to helmet flag is thrown. The Bills trot Tyler Bass out there for an untimed down. They kick the field goal. They take the three points to the half. 
And then if the pass interference is called on Knox, that's an automatic first down on the goal line, and the Bills are they're scoring a touchdown. No question about it. So that was the moment to me where I'm just thinking it, it's, it, it's just not their night. It's going against them because you know when they're doing everything right and not capitalizing that you just kind of got to throw your hands up and say, man, what a damn shame. Think about all of the things. I mean, we just spent, what, 15 total minutes going over the, the, the absolute lunacy that happened for these Bills in the first half. But just to, to quickly recap, you have two interceptions, both in Miami territory, one of which came after a brutal non-pass interference call committed on Dawson Knox. You then have a play before the half that, if you just look at the screenshot of the, of the play, it's a touchdown 99% of the time. But Baker makes an incredible hit on Johnson, keeps him out of the end zone. Bills have no timeouts. Clock can't stop. And you go back and look at it afterwards as you're already sitting there suffering through the fact they don't get any points. And you realize, holy shit, that was a total personal foul. I'm sitting there going in the half and I'm accepting the fact that we got to, we're going to need to get ready to stay in Miami next week and, 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 and try to find a way to power through these playoffs as the seven seed, which is, it's a damn near fool's errand. I mean, being the seven seed really at that point, it's so incredibly tough to, to, move throughout the playoffs, you almost accept your fate before it's even delivered to you. And that's why last night, you know, yes, it felt so great having the playoffs linked up because at the end of the day, even though I know a seven seed, it, it, it's not going to, it's just probably not going to happen. You're not going to win three road games against the, the, the best teams in the AFC. And then it'd probably go on and win the Super Bowl after that. It's just, it's the, the odds of that next to none. Right but you still want the opportunity. You're never going to turn down the chance to do it. So you felt good about having a chance, but you didn't feel good about the chances of capitalizing on that chance. That's why last night was so big to me. It felt great just having the playoff spot. And I think we were kind of blinded by that. But the whole time I'm watching last night, and in this moment where I'm thinking we're going to lose it, I'm starting to understand that the Bills are going to be the seventh seed. They're going to not have a home playoff game. I understand I like their chances against Miami again the following week, but then you got to go and play Baltimore in the divisional. Baltimore's the best team in this league right now. Do I think the Bills can stack up with them? Do I think the Bills can defend Lamar Jackson? Do I think the Bills can beat the Ravens? I do. The Bills have a winning record against Lamar Jackson, including a playoff game. So, yes, I do think the Bills can compete and can beat the the, the Baltimore Ravens. I don't want to see him until absolutely necessary. And that of course is the AFC championship. That winds up being what it winds up being. Then it makes a lot of sense. One and two seed Ravens right now, are the best team in the league. And I'm fine facing the Ravens in that moment. I'm not fine facing them in the division because that can be, that's avoidable. You can wait to play the best team in the biggest moment, not play the best team in a moment that's 
not even for the Super Bowl. It's just to make it to the AFC Championship. I mean, there was so much on the line. So much. And in that moment, that's really starting to hit me. Really starting to hit me. And it just felt like there was going to be a lot more to overcome than just, um, you know, moving the ball up and down the field and, and executing because it just felt like it was just the, the force of nature mo- working against them. At least that's what I had felt like after that play occurred. How often does that happen where you literally get stuffed at the goal line? It reminds me back in the day of the LA Rams or the, uh, at, yeah, at the time they were the LA Rams, the LA Rams, uh, oh, touchdown, Michigan. Michigan takes their early lead. Huge run. Damn. Reminds me, though, back in the day of the, uh, the, the Rams Super Bowl where they lose on the goal line, extend the ball out. I believe it was the Rams, and you lose on the goal line. It's a type of play that you just don't see all that often. And when it costs you points in a game where you've had the opportunity to score an infinite amount of them, and once again you squander them three drives in the first half where you are in opponent territory, guaranteed points at the minimum three points, right? and you don't come up with anything on all three of them, it's really tough to win that way. Almost impossible. And when you're playing a division rival with a winning record and that much on the line, and you not only lose the turnover battle, but you also squander three drives in opponent territory with no points, it's almost impossible. And it still felt that way going into the third. Thanks. uh, Shout out to Glenn, by the way. Yes, Titans versus the Rams. That's what it was. That's Super Bowl. Um, but you know, at the, uh, at that time, it's just, it just felt like, you know, it just, it, the stars aren't aligning and you go and you move into the third quarter. All right. There's things that you do still feel good about one. You feel good about the fact the bills are getting the ball first. You feel good about that because you know, you've known through the first half, they have had the ability to move the ball. Certainly. But they come out, and it's one of those drives that they haven't had all night where they're just not able to get into opposing territory. It's their first punt of the game, and you're thinking to yourself, this was the time. You go out and avenge what you just left on the table. You regain that momentum, and now you're almost back, you're almost back to even at that point. It's a wash, but they go out and punt. But, once again, force Miami into a punt. Miami goes three and out. So it kept, it, it kept being this ping pong match of, uh, well, they blowed it, or they blew it. And then all of a sudden, Miami, they, they'd, let you, they'd let you have another chance. You're like, oh, well, all right, three and out instantly. You're like, all right. Because it went from, right, it went from uh, no points in the first half, but you're like, oh, all right getting the ball back in the second half. And then it's unbelievable. All right, three and out for Miami. But then again, then of course, again, what happens the next drive? Another one of those back-breaking moments that occurred three separate times in the first half. I mean, think about it. This is now the fourth, this is the upcoming here is the fourth time in this game that the Bills find a way in opponent territory to come up with no points. The Bills get all the way down to Miami's 18 on this drive. Looking fantastic. Getting everybody involved, right? Josh is running. 
Kincaid's getting involved. Unbelievable game last night from Kincaid. Unreal, right? Cook's getting involved. Fournette's even out there getting involved. Shakir. And you're at the 20. And then it starts to go haywire again. Hand off to James Cook. Three-yard loss. You're immediately in the hole. Incompletion. Now it's third and long. And you're thinking, all right, it just said, you know, at this point, you're fine with the field goal. A 14-13 game. Or a 14-10 game at this time. Feels manageable. Because you know, yeah, you know, at least you got something on the board. Your defense has been standing on their head. It's going to go a long way in a game like this. And there it is, the fumble. And that's the moment when I took to Twitter and I said, this is just a bad outing from Josh Allen. And how could it not be? How could you not feel that way? You now have two interceptions. I understand where his head was throwing that ball to Ty Johnson before the half to try to get the points. But the reality still remains. What Sean McDermott said was the truth. You can't make that throw. And Allen shouldn't have made it. I understand why he did it. And if he would have scored, no one is going to say shit. But in that moment, with no timeouts, when you've had trouble putting points on the board, you have got to make sure that that ball is either in the end zone or out of bounds. You need points there. So really three mistakes by Josh Allen in the first half that cost this team three scoring drives. And now it's a fourth. But this time, you don't have the luxury of having a full second half on your hands. This fumble occurs with less than a minute remaining in the third quarter. So you now have three full quarters where the Bills, who, like I said earlier, put up almost 500 yards of total offense, dominating the stat sheet. They have seven points. Seven. And if you hadn't up until that point already thought it wasn't their night, how could you not think that in that moment? How? Like, what occurred in the game to make you think, ah, they're going to find a way? Every time they had something go their way, they pissed on it. Every time. And now you're about to head over to the fourth quarter, and you're, you're realizing not only did they do it again, but they don't have the time now. They're running out of time. And you also keep in the back of your mind, it just takes one play from Tyreek or Tua because as bad as Tua can be at times and as much as the Bills are able to neutralize Tyreek at times, you still know it's one broken play from being over. If Tua pulls his head out of his ass and hits a dime, You're thinking at this point, even a field goal might put the Bills six feet under. The way that their offense has been turning the ball over, the way that their offense has not been executing on the scoreboard, you're thinking even if the Dolphins crack a play and don't get into the end zone, a field goal, 17-7, to it might be over for these Buffalo Bills. So if you're not in that moment after the fumble, utterly terrified at the fact that they're going to lose this game, they're going to get the seventh seed, and their work is certainly cut out for them, and it's not going to be, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, they're screwed. Or at least infinitely more screwed than they would be if they had won, right? And then the fourth quarter comes around, and what un- unfolds is, the, is just classic Buffalo, where just when all hope is lost, just when you could not be more certain that they're going to lose this in the most Bills fashion ever, just when you thought Josh Allen 
who really did piece together a great game, found three, four individual plays to completely soil that great game. Everything changes. The entire game flips. And it's in the most improbable way you'd ever imagine. If you were to talk about the Buffalo Bills special teams this year, you really wouldn't talk about it in a glowing light. You, you, You really wouldn't. The Buffalo Bills have struggled pretty immensely on special teams this year. It's cost them a couple games. It did cost them the New York Jets game in overtime. Tyler Bass, this has not been his best year, certainly. Sam Martin has been real great at times, right? But there's also been times throughout the year that weren't. They've had their struggles on special teams this year, and they certainly haven't had any plays that stood out. They didn't do anything really worth a damn on special teams that really stood out to you that you can remember. And I don't know how you guys are, but every time a kickoff comes around or a punt comes around, I mean, that's the time you get an early, you get an early jump on going to the bathroom. And that's exactly what my dad did. And what unfolded in this moment is just hilarious. Cause I head over to the computer real quick that I have right next to the room we're in. My dad goes to take a leak and I look up and there's the punt. Now, mind you, this is after once again, the, the, the bills defense just finds a way it's unbelievable what this defense pulled off yesterday. And you got to keep in mind, they were pulling this off without Rasul Douglas against Tyree kill. I thought when Rasul Douglas went out and it was looking like he wasn't going to come back in and you added the fact that Tyrell Dotson went out, it, it just, I kept, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, it just felt like they're one big play away and with those two guys out it felt like it was getting increasingly likely that they were going to just find one of those plays it felt like they had to at some point somebody did somebody in this game had to find a big play it felt like it was boiling up too much to not overflow at some point something had to give and little did we know that that something that had to give would be Deontay Hardy it would be the special teams The Bills defense, after this fumble, just when you think it's it, they're screwed. Bill, Bills D gets another stop. Another stop. Dad goes off to take a leak. I walk into the kitchen. TV, of course, in sight. And Bailey launches the punt. And I remember looking up, and I remember seeing that he's fielding it at the four-yard line. And my initial thought was, oh, my God, you know, why, why are you fielding it here? Typically, you see that play result in the returner not even being near the ball. They usually just let it die. But Hardy was there, and he fields it at the four. And you're thinking that if he even has a respectable return, they're starting with, with the ball at the 15, right? Even if he fields that and gets a 10-yard return, you're starting at the 15. Usually, you just try to let that ball bounce in. So he fields it. I remember looking up, and immediately that thought goes away once he's able to, to field it cleanly, get past the initial um, defender. But what then immediately hits, and it's usually not like this on a punt return. There's usually a second wave. Usually these guys get by their first tackler. Very rarely do you see an instant first, unless they're right on it. If the, if the returner has a moment or two to field the punt, they usually get by the first defender because the defender is running 100 miles an hour. You almost have an advantage being flat-footed because you can choose what direction to go. And essentially, 
the defender is running downhill and they're not able to stop on a dime and go where you're going. So he gets by the first defender. But then there's usually a wave of the other defenders right there waiting in either direction for you to go and they're there to tackle you. There was all of a sudden there was just nobody there. So I'm standing in the kitchen and I see him get by the first guy. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. He was gone. It was, it was, it was almost an anomaly of a, of a punt return. There was never a second wave. He got by and it was just like the seas parted by the time he got to about the 25 yard line or so. It was done. There was nobody even close to him for about 75 of those 96 yards. And I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Oh, my God. He's going to the touchdown, touchdown. My dad literally had to zip up his fly mid-piss to run out there to see that I wasn't, that I wasn't screwing with him. End zone. That was the game. In that moment, you just watched the three turnovers and the blown execution before half be eradicated because you knew the Bills just needed something to go their way. And four of their five drives in opponent territory so far had not gone their way. It actually went the worst possible way you could imagine. And of all things, the longest punt return in franchise history, Deontay Hardy, a special teams play from a special teams unit that really hasn't done much of anything all season long. And it's what makes you think in that moment, not only does that really make up for all the other bullshit that happened, but it makes you think in that moment, wait, these are the plays that win you the game. These are the plays that a team like Miami isn't going to be able to recover from. And it's also the plays, as you guys are saying right now, fittingly so in the comments. Makes you think, could this be the year? It's that play. Think about it. Up until then, I know I've said it a thousand times, I'm going to keep saying it. Just because the picture painted last night, if you paint that picture a hundred times, 99% of the time, based on the way it was going, the canvas gets filled with a whole lot of bright orange and aqua blue. That game goes Miami's direction. When you turn the ball over three times in opponent territory, not just in opponent territory, but 35, the 35-yard line and up and get no points, when you are at the opponent 10-yard line before half and come away with zero points, when you collectively have four drives damn near near the red zone or in the red zone and come up with zero points, when you have seven points going into the fourth quarter, you do not win those games. I don't care if you're playing Easton Stick. I don't care if you're playing Tom Brady or somebody in the middle. It doesn't matter. You just don't win those games. And I don't care if you're the, the Randy Moss 2007 New England Patriots or you're the 2023 Carolina Panthers. I don't care how great you are. You don't win those games. You don't. And a moment like that occurs. And that's what makes you think, like my man Roz is saying here, could this be the year? Because 
out of absolutely nowhere, a punt return. And all that stuff, it just disappears. All the Bills needed that whole game was just to get back to a level playing field with Miami. They were dominating them. Offensively, they were gashing them. And defensively in the second half, Miami did nothing. Nothing. Not only did they not put up a single point, they couldn't move the ball either. Like I said earlier, two touchdowns on the day, both in the second quarter. They couldn't do anything. The Bills were dominating. All they needed was to put something on the board. I mean, you looked at it at the time, and if the four possessions earlier, really, let's just let's just say this. You, you know at this point, Allen's going to be good for a turnover. Just pencil it in every game. I mean, just pencil it in. Even if three of those drives, you, you give one turnover on those four drives, right off a turnover, even if those three other drives just result in field goals, Bills can't punch one and they punch it in and they settle. It's still 16 to 14. I'm no mathematician, but nine plus seven is 16. And last I checked, 16 is greater than 14. They were dominating that badly. They just could not put a damn point on the board. All they needed was to get level with them. And you really liked your chances, the way that they were playing. But to get level with them the way that they did on a play like that, are you shitting me? And once again, I'm going to just say it again. It's these moments. And it's a collection of these moments. Like I referred at the top of the show. Not only do you need to have the team with the talent and the capability to do it, you need the luck. And there is some luck involved in getting a kick return. There's a reason why you don't see a kick return every week in the NFL. It's one of the hardest plays to execute. And things got to fall your way. They got to go the right way. You got to luck into it a little bit. And they did. Think about where you're sitting today as a Dolphins fan, knowing you lost that game because of the longest punt return in the Buffalo Bills franchise history. You're sick to your stomach today. I mean, go back to how you felt after the Jets game week one when they returned the touchdown in overtime on the punt return. How sick did you feel? You didn't even have an opportunity for the Bills defense to shut down Zach Wilson in overtime because it was over. This was the moment. That's what won the Bills the game. Now, they'd go on to make an exceptional amount of more extraordinary plays to solidify that victory, but if that punt return does not happen, I don't think we're sitting here tonight celebrating this victory, celebrating the AFC's title, and looking forward to having the two seed with a real solid chance to go and make something happen here. I just don't think we're sitting here talking about that and doing it. I don't. I don't. Really great teams who go and pull off the ultimate goal They do so in ways that are seemingly unfathomable. They do so in ways that you don't, you just don't foresee. And they do it with guys that you don't see making it happen. Of course, you're going to expect Josh Allen to be the primary playmaker and the guy that makes it happen. You're going to expect Diggs to be that guy. You're going to expect Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Ed Oliver. You're going to expect those guys. Are you going to expect Deontay Hardy to be that guy? Are you going to expect Trent Sherfield to be that guy? I mean, I know he's had a, you know, there's been moments this year where he's looked great, but are you really going to expect a rookie Dalton Kincaid to be that guy? 
you might. But, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. The collective effort last night, and that's how you win it all. And in a microcosm last night, no, it wasn't the Super Bowl. But that's as big of a game as a non-Super Bowl can get. And it's one of the only situations in the league where you're in a situation to win something of, of significance, a title. It's not a Super Bowl title. It's not an AFC title. But don't tell me it doesn't mean something to win that AFC East, especially when Miami had a three-game lead, folks. One of the biggest choke jobs in a very long time. And that was their, easy, that was their best opportunity to do it. Not only do you have a three-game lead, but you also had a two-touchdown lead on the Titans with about two minutes left. And not only that, you have Allen turn the ball over three times and squander four drives in your own territory without any points, and you still cannot secure the division title. You can't tell me that last night's division title amongst the last four was not the sweetest of them all. Bar none. Bar none. In fact, my dad told me, in all of his years being a diehard Bills fan. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. God knows how many division titles he's experienced in his life. It, I mean, a bunch of them. He said that one by far, that, that, was, that was the most satisfying. That was the, the best one. And I 100% see why. And it certainly was the best one for me in, in, in my lifetime. And I know I only have four AFC championships to show for it. All four coming in the last four seasons. That one, bar none, was the best. Because of all that went into it and the improbability of it all as well. Because not only did the Bills need to pull off what they pulled off, but the Dolphins had to collapse, and they collapsed. I mean, not only did they collapse, they collapsed like a Jenga tower on the last. You know when you're playing Jenga and it's down to the one last piece on the bottom that you have to go for, you're going to lose, and you just know it's going to crash down? That's what it was. That's what it was. The Bills own this division. If it was ever going to swing, it was going to swing last night. Save me with the, the Dolphins were banged up. Okay, when you were fully healthy, you lost 48 to 20. Okay, what's the difference? You also, you had your man Bradley Chubb in the game against the Titans. You had a two-touchdown lead. Where's the excuse there? You win that game. 
Last night's not even for the title. You would have already had it. There's no excuses. This was the best chance you've had. You haven't won the division in 15 years. You haven't won a playoff game in 23 years, right? You didn't win the division this year. You're not going to win a playoff game this year. And unfortunately for you, this is the closest you've been. And it might be the closest you get. That team's got a lot of studs on it. A lot of people are going to be wanting a lot of money, including a quarterback that does not deserve the amount of money that they're going to have to decide to either pay him or start over with a rookie or a veteran. Yesterday was Miami's best chance to overcome Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, something that they cannot find a way to do, something that they have essentially been tasked with for the last four seasons and have been unable to come close to doing it. It was the best chance. Everything lined up for them. A three-game lead in the division going into December, you know how hard it is to not win the division in that scenario? Not only did you just need to handle your own business, you also just needed the Bills to not win five straight. And that's the best example of these two teams and why I hate Josh Allen and Tua being compared and why I hate these two teams being compared. They're not the same. They're not the same. On any given week, can Miami look better than the Bills? Yeah, certainly. You can say that about just about any any team in the league, really. But when you talk about the entire overall character of these two teams, it's night and day. And that is ultimately what prevailed last night because the Bills showed who they are. The Dolphins showed who they are. The Dolphins are frauds. The Dolphins are paper tigers. They're fraudulent. They're incapable of stepping up in the biggest moments. And they're also susceptible at any given time to completely piss down their leg. And they essentially just had a month and a half long piss session. Just sat there for a month and a half and continuously leaked their pants. The Bills, they were already sitting in their own piss at Halloween. I mean, they were sitting there thinking that, you know, there's not even going to be a chance to get new drawers at this point. We're just going to have to sit in this until next year. And they somehow, I don't know, Amazon drone delivery, next day delivery. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. They were able to find new pants. Dolphins, they're one week away from sitting it till, till 24. I didn't think that was the analogy I was going to go with, but it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Ultimately, though, the, the, over, the, the overall encapsulating story here is that that was the best chance for the Miami Dolphins that they've had. And I really do think it's going to be the best chance that they will have for the foreseeable future. And how demoralizing must it be for them to know that that just slipped through their fingers? It's not going to be easy to overcome that. You're not going to be able to go into next season with that off, off your brain. I mean, really. Not to mention... They had one of the easiest strength of schedules in the league this year as well. They had a lot of things stack up and go right for them this year, and they blew every single opportunity late to secure it. Nothing more, though, nothing more so, I'd say, than the ability to play two home games. Nobody needs to play at home more than them, and it's not necessarily because they're a good home team. They're really not. The argument is... Oh, their winning record is significantly better at home. I understand that. Go back and look at who they played at home this year and who they played on the road. Their only win of significance at home this year was against the Dallas Cowboys, a team who can just simply not play on the road. Terrible on the road. They scored one touchdown in that game. One. Five field goals somehow wound up winning that game by two points. That was their signature home win. Go look at the other opponents that they played at home this year. 
then go look at the the, the road games and y- y- you start to understand how they got to where they got and why they were considered to be better at home. Is their record better at home? Yeah, it certainly is. But go and look at the opponents compared to what they were playing on the road. One significant win of, of note at home this year, and it was against the Dallas Cowboys, who are even more fraudulent than the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion. If they win last night, they get two home playoff games. Do you know the difference for this team playing in Miami compared to playing in negative degree weather in Kansas City? It's not like Buffalo, well, hey, you play at home, it's going to be freezing. You play in Kansas City, it's going to be freezing. Really, it's it's no different, honestly. I mean, the only difference, and you obviously would rather have it than not, is having your home fans there. It certainly influences the game. But the weather wouldn't it wouldn't be any different. Do you know how different it is for a team like them who has no physicality, who has no ability to punch you in the mouth, no ability to go toe-to-toe with you in the trenches? They can't do that when it's 65 degrees under palm trees. You think when it's negative 10 wind chill against a team that's in the middle of a dynasty, do you think in that moment all of a sudden they're just going to come out with a completely different persona than they've had all year? Nobody in the league would have benefited more from being at home and having the two seed than the Miami Dolphins, and they absolutely they, – they blew it. They blew it. And that all of that, you know, all of that, just makes this so much sweeter. Miami Dolphins fans were talking like they were the best team in the league all year long. My God, by the way, Michigan, Jesus. I I wanted Washington so bad, and I, good God, they're just running all over them. Yeah, you know, it just felt like, it just felt like Washington's anemic defense was going to have to show its true colors at some point. Just terrible on D. Penix, time to step up. But anyway, that's what made this just so much sweeter. It wasn't even necessarily, I mean, obviously it's so great to win it as a Bills fan, have us win the the division. It feels great. But we've had these wins, and we knew we were in the playoffs. Honest to God, the best, the best part about it is just knowing that you took it from Miami. You took it from them. That's what feels the best about it. It's not even necessarily that you have it. It's just that they don't have it. That's what feels the best about this. Those fans were running their mouth all year long. Tua, MVP. Tua, better than Josh Allen. Josh Allen's terrible. Look at all these stats. Look at all this. Our fan base is better. We go to more games, even though we have emails circulating right now, going out to season ticket holders, uh, denying them the ability to renew their season tickets next year because they sold so many tickets to Bills fans that you had not only Rodney Harrison and numerous media members, but obviously the ability to visualize it yourself last night. You had... You had a home game, essentially, for Buffalo. Colin Coward tweeted it out. He, last night, it was hilarious. He said, that was a nice home win for Buffalo. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. Shameful. Embarrassing. And hilarious. That's why it felt so great. And it still feels so great. And no matter what happens going forward, it's going to feel great. It's going to feel great. No matter what happens going forward, knowing the Bills overcame what they overcame and got that done, and knowing what the Dolphins did to allow it, it's going to go down as one of the best of all time to me. No question about it. I mean, the shit that those fans were talking, running their mouth nonstop. Nobody's louder than the Miami Dolphins fans on Twitter. And it's kind of sad. 
for a team that hasn't won a division in 15 years, for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in over two decades, for a team that is can certainly cannot say honestly or certain about their quarterback, their coaching situation, perhaps based on the way he gets his team prepared for their biggest moments. I mean, who runs their mouth more in that type of environment than those guys? And they thought, and I guess, you know, to their credit, rightfully so, I, I would say you have a three-game lead. I think it might be fair to say you had the division locked up, but to watch that just collapse, you can't tell me that that wasn't pure cinema. You can't tell me that that wasn't Oscar-worthy from the Buffalo Bills side of things. But let's talk about what really, you know, every, every great story has a great ending. And it's certainly not a great story for the Buffalo, or excuse me, for the Miami Dolphins, but it's it's a great story for us Buffalo Bills. Every great story's got a great ending. And you thought maybe the best ending it could possibly be, or could possibly have, would, would be Deontay Hardy scoring that touchdown, and then, you know, the, the game unfolds and the Bills find a way to win. But the, the fourth quarter still had so much left in store for us. And this is where you go ahead and you see the difference between one of the best players in the league and a, and a guy that everybody wants to try and convince you is that, but it's just not even close. The game's now tied. It feels as though now the Bills have their opportunity, but still they're going to have to find a way to do it. You're feeling way more confident in this moment with the game now tied after the punt return, but you still have to keep in mind, these Bills are, have only put up seven offensive points on the board all night. And every opportunity they've had, essentially, they have squandered. But this is where the Buffalo Bills are just somehow different. Right when it seems like they're just completely screwed, they're not. And it starts with the punt return, but then they just build on that. Right after the punt return, Miami's got a chance to answer. They've been up all game. This game isn't over. They go three and out immediately. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about the uncertainty of Mike McDaniel. I like Mike McDaniel. I think he's a good coach, very creative, really prolific offensive mind. But when it comes to, you know, the big moments, the big bright lights, I don't trust that guy at all. And I don't really know if you have an, a reason to tell me why you should or you would. The Miami Dolphins didn't do anything in the second half. I mean, let's go over, let's go over what the Miami Dolphins did in the second half outside of blow a touchdown lead, give up two touchdowns, one on a punt return. Not only do they collapse on special teams, but here's what goes on for the Miami Dolphins in the second half. Punt. Punt return for a touchdown. Punt. Punt. And what we'll get to in a minute, interception. They didn't do anything. Right after that punt return, you got, an, you got the ability to regain the momentum instantly. You got to remember the Bills defense was just out there. So they got to go right back out there and stop them again. Advantage Miami, you'd think. You got to assume that they're gassed. The Bills defense are at least more gassed than they would be. Dude, I, every time I look over, every time I look over, at Michigan, I mean, they are just, they're popping off a 75-yard run. It's unbelievable. Oh, my God, I can't, I just can't stand Michigan. What a bummer. Ugh. 
but they have the opportunity to completely regain and they go immediately three and out. And that's when I felt like, okay, you know what? I, my confidence was at an all time peak. I mean, you could not have been more at a bottom barrel level of confidence throughout that game, but it's amazing how a couple of minutes of gameplay will just completely flip everything. And that's what happened. You get the punt return, you get a three and out. And now at this point, you're thinking this is the moment where Josh Allen goes and does the vintage Josh Allen. He displays the greatness. He's been displaying his weaknesses all game. This is the moment where the greatness occurs. You just could feel it. And that's what happens, right? They go right down the field. And in an area where they were blowing it all game long, they execute. Dawson Knox gets in the end zone. There's the lead. And you're really starting to feel all of a sudden. You just spent about two and a half hours getting ready to lose this game. And now all of a sudden you're, you're completely in a different mindset. You're thinking, yeah, yeah they're, they're winning this. They're winning this. They just got to go and secure it. And what happens? Another three and out for Miami. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a credit to Sean McDermott. One of his best coaching jobs of his career last night. And we'll get to what really solidified that in a minute. But this defense. Injury after injury, and in the middle of the game, you lose two of your better players at the moment, and, and it just doesn't matter. You, you you just completely you completely take over the game. It's unbelievable what Sean McDermott has done with this defense this year. And in the second half of this game, this defense obliterated and obliterated the Miami Dolphins and essentially made them non-existent. Tua, just an overall poor game that was completely influenced, I believe, by the defense of the Buffalo Bills. He was not benefited at all, I think, by his coach. But you can't tell me the Bills' defense did not put on, you know, did, did, did not create the environment for Tua to not be successful. But think about the, the way that they were able to flip what they were doing. Like I said earlier, Ty Tyreek Hill goes into the half nine yards shy of his regular season career high in yards against the Bills and is already tied for the you know, the most touchdowns he's had against the Bills in a single game in a regular season. 60 yards and a touchdown in that half. And in the second half, nothing. And that's where another thing where I look at Mike McDaniel and I'm like, man, I mean, I understand Tyreek had a couple of really bad drops. That's on him and it's not on Tua, including the one where it was right in his right in his chest for a first down. I believe it was it was on this um yeah, it was. It was on this drive we're currently talking about. Um, you know, th there's seven minutes left on the clock, and the Dolphins have done nothing up until this point. They can't even get a first down. I think up until that point, they had one first down on the half, and the ball's right on Tyreek's chest, and he just can't catch it. So it's not all on Tua. I think a lot of it was, but in a moment like that, I mean, that's a first down, and who knows what continues to happen from there should they move the sticks. But it's another three and out again. But the Tyreek did not have an impact on this game at all in the second half. One, because of himself in, in, in the drops. Not only was that drop, but the one that he was interfered on. You could argue he could have caught that ball and he'd still be running right now if he had. That was dropped as well. But they also just didn't try to incorporate him in the game at all. He only had, I think, three or so targets in the in the second half, three or four targets, two of which were dropped. So you add that on top of the fact that this this run game went from gashing the Buffalo Bills. Think about it like this, man. The Buffalo Bills had allowed the Dolphins to rush for a hundred yards on them in the first half. And the Dolphins finished 
with 108 yards on the ground. That's coaching on both sides. One, shout out Sean McDermott. They adjusted, moved, moved the personnel up, weren't going to allow Miami to run easily on them. But instead of trying to find ways to make it work, because they were running on them with ease in the first half. You know how insane that stat is that I just rattled off to you? When they had over 100 yards of, of uh, they had over 100 yards on the ground in the first half, and they go on to finish the ball game, the entirety of the ball game, with 100 yards, that's insane. And it's a testament to both sides of the sideline in this game. The coaching. Major credit to Sean McDermott for the adjustments to not allow him, but they went away from it completely. Mike McDaniel. So not only were they not getting Tyreek involved, and unfortunately for them, when they did, he did not deliver, but they didn't get him involved enough to have more opportunities to deliver. More often than not, he is going to make it happen. They didn't, they didn't get creative at all to try to get him the ball. But on top of that, 100 yards in the first half on the ground, you finish with 108, but you only run it 20 times. How many times did they run it in the first half? 12 of those 20, maybe more than that. They completely went away from it. I might understand going away from it if the Bills took a two-touchdown lead and you got to move the ball quick. This game was either tied or a one-score game throughout the entirety of it. You don't go away from the run game there. A-chan was doing what he wanted in the first half, and they just went away from it. McDaniel collapsed under the pressure. So did his quarterback, and so did his top receiver. And Sean McDermott did the complete opposite. And for a guy that had just about everything about him questioned this year, what a way to end the season, and what a way to go into the postseason. Maybe one of his best coaching jobs as a Buffalo Bill head coach. Unbelievable. Let's talk about, you know, really what solidified that, like I was just mentioning. Not only the defense. That, that in itself, to me, would have really, you, you could have booked an incredible coaching job from Sean McDermott right there alone last night, the way he had this defense playing in the second half. But this next drive, man, I understand they don't get any points on this next drive. I understand it ends up resulting in a turnover on downs. You will never find a better drive in your life that resulted in just about nothing. You will be hard-pressed to find a better drive in the history of the league that resulted in no points and the inability to run the clock out. It was one of the most impressive things I've seen. Not only from Sean McDermott, you saw right in this drive what makes Josh Allen Josh Allen, what makes him one of the best players on the planet, and once again, what makes us so lucky to have him wearing a Buffalo Bills jersey. Bills get the ball back after that three and out from Miami with just about six minutes left in the game. And at this point, if the Bills do what Miami's been doing, I mean, think about it. If the Bills just go three and out here, Miami's, once again, another chance, and how many chances are they going to have after that? The key here. Go and end the game. And it was just textbook. You move the ball incrementally, incrementally, incrementally. Okay, it's third and one. You don't get it. It's fourth and one at your own 35. Now, mind you, the drive earlier, the Dolphins are in a similar position. Or not the drive earlier, I should say, two drives before. 
two drives before, the Miami Dolphins. Was it? Oh, I want to make sure. I'm trying to find the drive. Yes. Two or three drives before. The Miami Dolphins had a fourth and one at their own 24. And they punted it. It was a three and out. They punted it. Fourth and one at their own 24. McDaniel doesn't go for it. Now remember, you got to understand it's at their own 24. Most people don't go for it there. But this Dolphins team had shown you they could run the ball on these Bills. The Dolphins were struggling in the second half. They needed a momentum shift. This was their opportunity to maybe go and make that big play of the game and go and try to end this thing themselves, put more points on the board, and find a way. They don't go for it. But here's Sean McDermott, who's been questioned about his game management, right? McDermott's game management's been in question, his ability to deliver in big moments, his ability to help the Bills get victories in this in this situation as opposed to hindering him in these moments or hindering them in these moments. Ball is a, ball is a mother effing steal. Who would have thought? They go out there on their own 35 with the game in the balance. AFC East on the line, two seed on the line. And they didn't do the bullshit. Let's try to get them off sides. They snap the ball and they get it. If the Bills punt there, the Dolphins get the ball back with four minutes or so left in all of their timeouts. That was massive. But now you got to go do it again. Another first down, you really, really corner these Dolphins. You really do. Move the ball a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. That clock's ticking. That clock's ticking. It's third and 13. And right here, you know, once again, you're thinking, up. Dolphins are going to get another chance. Third and 13. What are you going to do here? Three minutes left. Do you just run the ball with Cook? either milk more clock or at the least make Miami burn a timeout. That's probably what you do here. It's too long to go for it with a pass or with a run to get it, right? It's too long to assume you're going to get this on a run. And you really don't want to take the risk of throwing it here because it stops the clock. And the odds of you getting a third and 13 anyways, right now they're, they're slim. It's a, it's super long throughout the duration of the game, whether it's first quarter or in this moment, third and 13, super tough. And this is where Josh Allen just makes you understand once again that why he is really just a, 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 a mutant, an unearthly creature. Third and thirteen, and that that son of a bitch scrambles for fifteen yards. And if you go back and look, when he's about three, four yards from the first down, I mean, there's like four Miami Dolphin defenders there, and he gets through all of them. First down. In that moment, I could have cried. I, I could have cried for my love for that guy. And it's why you have to, even though I'll tweet out, oh, Allen's killing us. Allen sucks today. Even though I'll tweet all that out, it's why you can never lose faith in the guy because you have to know 
no one, even though you and me and everybody else watching, no one wants to win it more than us, right? Josh Allen wants to win it more than us, believe me. And you can't say that about every player in this league. Every snap of every game, Josh Allen wants it more than the next guy. And that's why you got to deal with the, the BS that he's going to give you sometimes. And in this game, a good amount, right? Two picks, a fumble, the throw in front of the goal line. You got to deal with it. Because when you deal with it, the outcome of those type of plays can result in this. Who else is doing that? Lamar Jackson's not even doing that. Lamar Jackson has the capability to, to do that, but is Lamar Jackson running through guys for those extra three, four yards to get the first down? He's not big enough. He doesn't have the strength and the size. He's got the running capability, sure. Josh Allen might be the only guy in the league that can do that. It's a different type of athlete. Lamar Jackson's probably the best athlete at the position. But this is a whole different, it's not even fair to compare it. It's a whole different type of, it, it's unearthly. Like I keep saying, it's it's just mutant X-Men type shit. Third and 13, and he knew what he was going to do immediately. He goes back to pass. It didn't even look like it was a designed run. It looked like it was a designed throw, but he just waited for the hole to open, and he went. And he gains nine great. By the time you get there, it's looking like, oh, he's going to be just short. And nope, he wills his way. And that was the, I mean, offensively, that was the play of the game. Despite it not even resulting in ending the game, right? Despite Miami still getting another chance. That was the play of the game because you see right there why this guy inevitably is going to somehow, some way, one of these times, get the bills over the hump and get it done right there. Or at the very least, he's going to be the person that's going to have them in a position to be in their best chance with their best chance to do it right there. No one else is doing that shit in the league. Nobody. How big was that? If they punt there, if they got a punt there, once again, Miami's got all their timeouts and they got well over three minutes to go and try and do something. That play right there was able to take the clock all the way down to the two-minute warning and force Miami to burn all of their timeouts. It was huge. This drive showed so much. It showed the resilience and the grit of Josh Allen. It showed his capability. It showed his determination. And it also showed his ability to overcome anything that happens throughout the game that's negative. It just shows you who he is. And it also displays one of the most unique skill sets in this league. And that's his running ability and his ability to not only run with the best of them, but truly bulldoze you over and just outwill you. Other than Derrick Henry, there's not a whole lot of those guys, man. It, 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 and at the quarterback position, there's none of those guys. They don't exist. And then Sean McDermott, this drive, what it shows you from McDermott, it shows you his trust in Allen, shows you his trust in this team, and it shows you how far he's come. How far has McDermott come from being the guy that would more than likely punt in that scenario every time, from being the guy that had the 12 men on the field, from being the guy that's mismanaged timeouts, from being the guy that's really not been trusted in those moments. He, he delivered. And then he follows it up defensively where he's had his biggest 
you know, where he's, he's been questioned the most. Time out real quick. Fourth and seven for Washington. This is a huge gamble. Oh, he had him wide open. Wow. Oh, that could be the game right there. This could already be over. Oh, Penix, you had him wide open. Can't stand Michigan, man. I love Penix, too. Wow. But we all know Sean McDermott, where he's been questioned the most, is his his defensive coaching in these late-game moments where it's the final drive and they just need to stop. That's where he has been questioned the most. And rightfully so. The Denver game, the 13-second game, the Giants game despite winning, the Tampa Bay Bucks game, they just always seem to let you back into it and let you have a chance. But ever since that Tyler Dunn article came out, like he's just a different type of coach. It's the best thing that's happened to this team, I swear to God. It's unbelievable. The paradigm shift of the Buffalo Bills from a 20,000-word article from a guy it's uh, it's it's truly something. And it's once again, back to the talk we were having earlier. It's just one of those reasons why you think could this year be the year? How often are you going to get a 20,000 word article thrown down in front of you where you're basically your coach is being questioned as a man. His entire character and coaching ability is being put in question in front of the in front of the world. How often does that happen? It's never going to happen again. He's been a whole, he's been a completely different guy. I, I, I don't get it. And with, with the firing of Ken Dorsey, it seems like Josh Allen's been a completely different guy himself. I mean, it, everything is just kind of happening here, folks. It's just really starting to feel, I don't want to say it because I don't want to get disappointed. And I'll be disappointed either way, but I don't want to be more disappointed than than I possibly could be, right? But guys, I'm telling you, man, what more could really be going their way here? This doesn't happen a whole lot. So the Dolphins get the ball back, as we know. Now, credit to Sean McDermott once again. It's fourth and one at Miami's thirty-seven. He takes the offense out there, and they do the BS, try to get him offsides. But he sends him right back out, and it was the right call. It was the right call. You knew whether he's getting that yard or not, it's the right call. The analytics say to do it, and the, and the overall aura of the game says to do it. They were dominating on that tush push. They're starting to, they're, they're, they look better at that play now than Philly does, which, by the way, holy shit. Talk about a collapse. My God, Philly, good night. I think Baker beats him next week. But anyway, I think right now that play is being executed better than than the the team who invented it by the Buffalo Bills. And you're going to take your chances all day with the game on the line to end it. You're going to take your chances all day with Josh Allen to get a yard. Credit to Miami. Their defense was getting rolled up on all day, and in the biggest moment of the game for them, they did make a stop. An improbable moment where they need to stop Allen from getting a yard. He had executed on that 22 consecutive times. Or something around that number. It was absurd. I mean, they they were basically automatic at it. They just needed a yard. And they stop. 
It was the right play call from McDermott. And you you also got to know at that point, you were kind of playing with house money. You weren't going to kick a 50-yard field goal. You just don't do that. You can't do that there. Bass hadn't kicked the field goal all day. You don't know. You, you don't know. You, you, you can't. You can't there. And you don't, I don't, I don't think you punt it there either. You just don't. Because the ball for the Bills at that moment is at the 34. If you punt it and it's a touchback, which they usually are, you're only really gaining 14 yards of, of uh, field there. You're only back in Miami at 14 yards if, if Martin punts that into the end zone. It, it's 100% the right call, whether they got it or not. And at that point, like when I, when I say they were playing with house money, I say that because you had already milked off five-plus minutes on the clock that you really had no business doing in the first place because you went for it on your own 30. So you lived with what you lived with them not getting it. And now it's time for McDermott to do one last, give one last excellent coaching display on his side of the ball. But more so than that, you want to know what it was time for. It was Tua time. Let's talk about where Tua is in this moment. The doubters that Tua has, me included, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Tua has not earned the right to be discussed the way people have been discussing him. He is not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He is not one of the most valuable players to his team in the league. He's not even the best player on his own football team. In every game of any real meaning, he has come up on the wrong end of it. And in every game where they had the ability to either clinch or win a division or this and that, struck out every time. This was his moment. Do you know how big of a moment this is for Tua if he goes down and capitalizes? Do you know how different his career up until this point would be viewed based on one drive? You know how this league goes. It's a what have you done for me today type league. And what you do to me today can really go a long way in making me forget what you did yesterday. But if you continue to compound on what you did yesterday, you're going to continue to add more and more ammunition to people like me who view that guy as just a guy and not a whole lot more than that. This was a career-defining moment for Tua Tungabailoa. The Dolphins' defense just gives you the most improbable moment of the game for you, for those Dolphins. They were getting destroyed on D all day. I know the scoreboard might not reflect it. The numbers in the stat sheet certainly do. And when it comes down to needing a yard from Josh Allen, you're taking Josh Allen 100 out of 100 times there if you're betting. And it just so happened, it was basically like spinning a roulette wheel where 35 of the 36 numbers are black and the Dolphins need that little white ball to land on red to even have a chance. And holy shit, there it is, right on red. Tua. What are you going to do with the winnings? Are you going to go and invest them? You can invest those winnings, make something of it. Or are you going to go and just blow it? Balls in your court. 
And I understand the odds are stacked against you. You only have two minutes and you don't have any timeouts. But are you going to go and at least give a valiant effort? Or are you just going to go out sad like you have every other opportunity you've been given here? And we all know what happened. My dad looked at me and I looked at him and we had the exact same look in our eye and the exact same thought in our mind and we both said it out loud. We said, the Dolphins have dolphined this game. You know, that's a, that should be a saying now. The Dolphins, have, have they find a way to dolphin it up. It's a new thing for them. In big moments, they just find a way to dolphin it, right? And they had dolphined it in that fourth quarter. They had to be sitting there thinking, how the hell are we on the verge of losing this game? But they had a chance. And my dad and I looked at each other and we said, we just, you know what we need right now? We need Tua to Tua. You know it's bad when we're just banking on you screwing up. We're not even looking at each other, my dad and I. We're not even looking at each other saying, man, we need McDermott to deliver here. Or we need the D to step up. We're looking at each other and we're saying, you know, we, we just need Tua to shoot himself in the foot. So here he goes. Here's his big moment. I mean, you know, do you understand what it would do if he went down and tied this game and they go on to win? If on his arm, he goes and wins the Dolphins' first AFC East title in 15 years and gets them the two seed, I'll tell you this right now, he probably gets the extension. I think right now they're nuts to give him money of any significant value. But I think if he goes and wins that game last night, I think it's a whole different conversation. I still wouldn't do it, but I think within the organization, it's a whole different perspective. I really do, I really do think that. I mean, he could have made himself a lot of money last night. Once again, I will I will emphasize it's a really hard thing to do. And it's, you know, not not many quarterbacks can do it. But were you just gonna go and give yourself a chance? That's that's really all you got to be asking for if you're a Dolphins fan. Can we just at least get a chance here? And what would happen? They would go on to run five plays. They have two minutes. They would run five plays. Two of the five plays should have been turnovers, and one of them was. They had two minutes left to make something happen. And they didn't even reach the one-minute mark before turning the ball over. They didn't even keep that ball for a, a full minute of that two-minute drill. Tua backs up to pass on first and 10 at the 40, and he throws it to the right side to, to, to Tyreek. And it should have been intercepted right there. Rap should have picked it off right there. He was all over Tyreek Hill. He should have picked it off. And then it got tipped. And I forget who was on the, the receiving end of the tip, but it should have been picked off either by Rap or off the tip. And it wasn't. I remember falling to the ground. I jumped up so high because I'm thinking, oh my God, this is pick. And I remember falling back down because it hit the ground. So he just got blessed. I mean, that should have been an interception and it wasn't. And you were like, me and my dad were like, that was the moment. We were waiting for Tua to Tua it, and that was the moment. Now you're going to give him another chance. The next play, I mean, man, he, dude, he just does the, he does the same thing. How, how in the hell the game is on the line and you throw it into double coverage 
to Chase Claypool? I didn't even know he was still in the league. You just got blessed. Dropped interception keeps you alive. And how do you follow it up? You just throw it. You throw a pick to the guy who should have picked you off the play before. It was such a bad read, such a bad look, and such a bad decision. And really just a bad throw. It wasn't even close. And he proved once again what I think of him and what, what most people I think outside of delusional Dolphins fans think of him and a couple of delusional media members. That's what he is. He's real good when things are going great. When they're playing the Carolina Panthers and when they're playing the Denver Broncos, right? And the offense is humming and Tyreek's on fire and Waddle's on fire. Yeah, I mean, look at two his numbers. That's MVP, right? But when the moment's the biggest, when the lights are the brightest, and when he's needed the most, when he needs to prove he's actually valuable to this team, he has yet to do it. And it seemingly is, it's becoming to the point where I you have to come to terms with the fact that he's incapable of doing it. You can never throw that ball in that moment. You just can't. And people will probably come to me and say, Allen's thrown picks in those moments. Allen's thrown picks. Allie had two interceptions yesterday and a, and a fumble. Yeah, go look at all the other things he does, including in that game. Go and look at what he does. Because as much as Allen might set you back in a game, he's if he, Allen's the king of taking two steps backwards and three steps forward. Tua's going to take two steps backwards and sit down. And that's the difference. And it's unbelievable to me that how we continue. And I, maybe it'll come to an end after this. I hope so. And I hope it really comes to an end next week after they get rolled in Kansas City. I hope it's just, I hope we're done with this. I hope we're done. But I'm sure we won't be. There's still got to be a handful of those Dolphins fans out there just, just still finding a way to defend this guy. I, I'll never understand it, but it'll be out there. And I understand defending him. It's not like he's the worst quarterback in the league. And I, I never said that. And when I, like I said, when things are going right, he looks damn good. It's not like he's terrible. But that's not what I'm getting at. It's, it's really ultimately the reason why I'm so critical of him and why I really just don't like him. It's, it's not because of him. It's really because of the way th that he's reflected by everybody but himself. If he wasn't talked about as an MVP, if he wasn't talked about as one of the best quarter, uh, quarterbacks in the league, I really wouldn't care. But when you're telling me this guy's on the same caliber as Allen Mahomes and, and Lamar, and when you're telling me this guy deserves MVP votes, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to just, I'm going to have to push back on that. And then, then I'm really going to have to just start. I mean, not that I wouldn't be rooting against the Dolphins to begin with because I'm a Bills fan, but you know, it's almost like you just are waiting for him to, to, shoot himself in the foot just so that you can say, look at this is, this is the reason why he's done nothing to earn that conversation yet. It continues to happen. And I hope it just comes to an end. It's honestly not fair to him. The amount of, I mean, and, and then he goes to the, you know, he goes to the podium a couple of weeks ago. You know, I keep my receipts. I'm no good without Tyreek. This and that. And then he, and then he, he goes on for two, three minutes about the receipts, right? Goes down for two to three minutes about all these things and ends that rant with, I don't care. Tua, brother, you, you just ranted for three minutes about the things you, you apparently don't care about. If you're able to go up there and tell me all of the things that you're criticized for, like that off the top of your head, 
and just rattle on about it for three minutes, it, the part of me is t- you, you probably care a little bit about it. And that's fine. I get it. But that to me right there is why it's not fair to that dude. Because obviously it eats at him. Obviously he's well aware of it. And he can tell you he doesn't care all he wants. But if you're up at the podium and you're going on for three minutes about all the things you don't care about, it, it tells me you care. It's not fair to him. He didn't ask for this. I understand, you know, you're a national champion in college and you're drafted as high as you are. You have high expectations. It's on him that he hasn't delivered on those expectations, but it's not on him that he's painted in the light that he's painted in. It's not on him that he is being reflected as one of the greats when he has not earned that. It's not, that's, that, that's not on him. When you prove time and time again you can't deliver on something, yet everybody still expects you to deliver on it, and it's a really tough spot to be in. I think he just is who he is at this point. And the Miami Dolphins are in a really tough spot. They are going to lose next week to the Kansas City Chiefs. And like I said earlier, the .01% chance they pull that miracle off, and the only way they do is if the Chiefs really, really, really shit themselves. If that happens, you got a better chance of going out right now and buying however many random numbers it takes to win the Powerball. You go go down to your local gas station, tell the clerk to give you a, a couple of random numbers on the Powerball. You got a better chance of slapping that than you do the Miami Dolphins getting out alive against the Chiefs and the Ravens. And now they're stuck in a position where they got to they gotta choose to go the, the New York Giants route where the quarterback's shown you just enough to not want to get rid of them, but not nearly enough to want to sign them to a generational amount of money that's going to tie you to them for the next decade. What do you do? Well, the Giants went with the latter. And they're, been, they're paying the price, and they are going to pay the price moving forward. Tyrod Taylor is a significantly better quarterback than Daniel Jones, and the Giants have looked bar none their best this year when they're quarterbacked by Tyrod Taylor. Yet Daniel Jones is the one who got the max contract because he beat the Minnesota Vikings in a playoff game. These organizations get delusional based on emotion. The Giants hadn't won a playoff game in over a decade, so they go and beat the Vikings, who themselves can barely, you know, can barely function when it comes to high-stake high moments. They go and get that done on the road, and that bought ban- Daniel Jones a contract. That's why I was saying earlier, you know, if Tua actually goes and does get that done last night, he might have bought himself a lot of money and it it, it might, it might be significantly regretted in the future. The Dolphins have an opportunity here to choose what they want to do going forward. Last night for Miami and going forward next week, it might be the best thing that's happened to them. And it might not be very beneficial to us Bills fans. It might be the best thing that's ever happened to them. They might be able to really self-reflect on the fact that yesterday Tua has sub-200 yards, two brutal interceptions, one that costs you the game, the inability to come up in a big spot, the inability to beat a top opponent, the inability to win ball games on the biggest stage. They have the ability to look back without any evidence that he can do it and say, we get, we might need to, to go a different direction here. The Giants showed you that it really only takes one of those moments 
to get you bought in to 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 kind of make you take the bait. The Dolphins do not have that example. And if that example is a five field goal performance um against the Dallas Cowboys in a two point victory at home, then then I mean I don't know what to tell you. But I I'd love to hear. I mean, I know T D said it earlier on the round table. and when he's not pretended to to act like two is the greatest quarterback on the planet when he's getting serious with you. He, he he's one of the only Dolphins fans I've heard, you know, shoot it straight. They they are not in a good spot with him. And they're really not in a good spot in general when you think about it, because it's gonna go one of two ways, like I just said. You're either gonna pay him with the money strapped up with him, you're not gonna be able to keep guys like Waddle and Tyreek Hill and you know, Bradley Chubb, Howard, Jalen Phillips, it, the, the, when the money goes to the quarterback, it, it's got to be taken out of somebody else's pocket. So if you do that, a lot of what might make that team great outside of two is no longer around. But if you go the rookie route, you got to start all over. And the Dolphins have been waiting a long time to even be at the point where they're at right now, where they're even getting into the playoffs and being competitive and having the opportunity to get, actually win a title despite not being able to do it. They have the opportunity to. It's a really tough decision. But the Giants just kind of gave you the blueprint of what can happen when you buy in and you really probably shouldn't have. All I know is you got to know it's pretty bad when me as a Bills fan, I am hoping the Miami Dolphins choose to max contract to a tongue of my lower. I mean, think about it. If Patrick Mahomes was in our conference, if Joe Burrow was in our conference, Herbert, Lamar, would you sit here and say, well, I hope they keep him. You'd be being like, you'd, you'd be like, oh my God, I just pray to God. They, they, they trade this guy. I mean, they don't, they're not, they're not good around him or whatever. Trade him. I mean, if I'm sitting here saying, man, sign that guy up. Here's the pen. I'll, 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 I'll drive out and give him the pen. And what's that saying? So I'm not saying all of it was on him last night. It wasn't. And yes, they had a ton of injuries. But that's just one game with all those injuries, man. What about all the other moments, all the other times where he's, it's the same result from him every time? It wasn't just him last night. I'd argue Tyreek Hill had just as much of an impact on them losing that game late as he did. And I'd also argue right, I'd also argue right now, Mike McDaniel, man, A lot of fool's gold right now with Mike McDaniel, and that's coming from somebody, I, I, like I say, all the time. I like that guy. But another game where he's outcoached in a big spot, and that's why tomorrow, Hard Knocks, if you don't have an HBO Max subscription already, go do yourself a favor and get it because that is appointment television tomorrow night. The Miami Dolphins newest episode of in-season hard knocks will be tomorrow night and it will be it'll be solely focused on this game against the bills and it is going to be must-see television and if you're a bills fan like we are i mean that that's going to be like emmy worthy shit it's going to be incredible i cannot wait because you're going to be able to really see under the curtain just how bad this collapse was and that's what it was this was this was a month and a half long collapse from the miami dolphins that was encapsulated 
with yet an additional mini collapse. It was a, and it was a, it was an elongated collapse with individual mini collapses along the way and the biggest piece of the pie, the biggest piece of the collapse last night. The end of the day, what we saw last night was the best representation of what these two teams are. The Miami Dolphins are a paper tiger. And they're a team, in my opinion, that when the stakes are highest, they show their true colors. By definition, I guess the best word to use, I know it's the old cliche and it's overused and I say it all the time, but it's the best way to use one word to describe it. It is fraudulent. At every opportunity in the world, not only to win that game last night, but to lock that division up a three game lead. And they just did everything in their power to completely blow all of it. That's what they did. And last night, even with all of that behind them, the Tennessee Titans game blown, the disaster against the Ravens, they still had a chance to do it. And they couldn't. It's the best representation of who that team is. And what the Bills put out on display last night at this moment in time for this current iteration of the Buffalo Bills is the best way to represent them as well. A whole lot of great, a whole lot of bad, a whole lot of what the hell is going on. And, good, and I, you, can, you can use that term both ways. What the hell was that? That was unbelievable. What the hell was that? That was unbelievable. Right? And then moments where you're going to die of a heart attack because things aren't going your way and you're going to die of a heart attack because, oh my God, they did it, 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 pure euphoria. This season has been one of the longest and most effed up roller coasters I've ever been on with this team. And last night, yet again, was one more trip around on that on that ride. And that's why I told you the other night, this game was the perfect climax to this season because it was the best representation of what these bills have been all year long. This game was a nutshell of the entirety of the 2023 season, and they delivered exactly that. I said it could have gone three ways. There was three ways this season could end. There was three endings to the story. And all three of them were, would have been able to represent who the Bills have been this season at certain points. The best ending, ultimately the one that ended up occurring, the Bills win five straight games. They win the AFC East for the fourth consecutive time. They secure the two seed and they give themselves the ultimate path to the Super Bowl. There was a middle ground where the Jags lose, the Bills lose, and the Bills end up with the seven seed. They get into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. You don't feel great about it, but it's it's better than going home. Now, the high end would be represented by all the games this year that were great. Destroying the Dolphins, destroying the Raiders, destroying the Cowboys, destroying the Commanders, right? This middle ground would be represented by games barely beating the Giants, barely beating the Bucks, right? And then the low end, where the Jags could have won and the Bills could have lost and they go home. And that would have been represented by games like the Broncos game or the Patriots game, where you're so close. You, you, you look terrible. It was awful. You still had a chance at the end and you blew it. It really was the ultimate ending to an insane regular season. 
and there were three ways it could have gone, and it went the best way possible. All I know is this league is about how you finish. It's not how you start. And the Buffalo Bills just had the best finish out of any team in the league. Was it easy? No. Did it look perfect? Did it look amazing the entire time? Absolutely not. But the result was the same. They knew what they had to do, and they did it. And now we're here. And that's why I think right now they have the best chance they've had under Josh Allen to go and get it done. And it starts Sunday. 1 o'clock p.m. Wild card round. Bills, Steelers. And we're going to talk a lot about that later this week. Keep it locked on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel and my Twitter. I will update you when the next episode of the Smoke Break will be this week. And in that episode, we are going to dive deep. And we are going to preview Bills Steelers. Folks, we're in. And not only are we in, we're the mother effing two seed. Everything's looking up. Now it's time to cash in. Make sure to join me later this week as we talk about that game and get ready for the next trip around this roller coaster. And I can't wait to do it with you. Thanks so much for coming in tonight. By the way, also, how many times do I do this? I got a nice ending going here. I got the music going. I'm, 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 I'm doing the outro. I got super chats I didn't read. Stick around for a second. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to everybody who sent a super chat and that I didn't get to. How many times do I do this? I set up a nice exit. Everything segued perfect. Uh, you know, I'm feeling good about it. Look up. And I, I, I rob you guys of, of reading the super chats. It's on me. Terrible. Terrible form. I'm like two in the, in the, in the, in the closing moments. I'm lo- it's looking, lo- looking like I got an opportunity to capitalize. Blow it. Let's get to those super chats. Prison Mike coming in off the top. God, life is good today. You said it, friend. The Dolphins fans are so delusional. On the head again. They really do look dumb with all the crap they talk. Love the show. Go Bills. Prison Mike, I'm glad we stuck around for the super chats. That's an, that's an A-plus super chat right there. You got like four sentences in there, all bangers. Loves the show. Hates hates how delusional the Dolphins fans are, and he's loving life today. Rock on, Prison Mike. Love it. Matt Royer coming in. Bills made great second-half adjustments. Remember, no Douglas and Dotson here either. Yep, exactly, Matt. We talked about that earlier, and it's a major credit to Sean McDermott, who has been coaching his ass off since that Tyler Dunn article came out. I personally think if the Bills go on to win the Super Bowl, they should send Tyler Dunn a Super Bowl ring. They should get his ring finger fitted. He deserves a ring for what he's done for this team. You could argue he's been the most pivotal aspect of this team in the latter half of the season, but you're damn right. The second half adjustments were terrific by Mike or by Sean McDermott. Horrendous by Mike McDaniel. I think that was ultimately one of the biggest differences in this ball game. My main brother, Nails, who's sending me five bucks. He's saying, uh, he's saying, here's some of your fantasy football money back. So some, some of you know, at times my, 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 one of my best buddies of all time, Christian Nails Nario coming here and drop a couple bucks. My, uh, my roommate from college about to be in my wedding soon coming up. And this mother effer, man, not only did he win my hometown league, he also won our college league. It's just unbelievable. He pulled it right out of his ass. He made the playoffs by like two points, won both leagues. So I had to, I had to send him money for both. Now, my buddies from home, they only have to send him one. My buddies from college, they only have to send him one. I'm the only dumbass who had to send him two. But he's sending me five bucks back. Appreciate it, Nels. Appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and send me the other 195 while you're at it? Scott Blakely. 
so impressed with our depth yesterday. I mean, yeah, both defensive and offensive. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's a great point. When 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 Deion Dawkins seemingly goes down out of nowhere, step up. It's next man up. I mean, you you, you saw the injury report. They're like questionable return. Deion Dawkins. You're like, what? Well, when the hell did that happen? We never saw Dawkins go down. And then you look to the sideline, and, and he's bleeding out. Needs stitches. Dead on, Scott. I would say no more important, though, than on the defensive side, because not only is it last night, it's been all year. The next man up mentality and the depth of this Buffalo Bills team has been one of the best in the entire league all year. Just unbelievable, unbelievably impressive. I can't get enough of it. Cannot get enough of it. And you hope we get uh, Rasul and Dotson back soon. According to the thigh doc, last I checked from him, both injuries not all that serious and that's also including Gabe Davis so maybe we see them back out there this weekend you really hope we do um, because obviously all pivotal pieces to this team as it stands right now and then to round us out my man Scott he go, he's going hey Z-Bot how far do you think we'll make it into the playoffs with this roster Scotty on that note we're going to save that for the next one because on the next show not only are we going to preview Bill Steelers but I'm going to give you my my uh, my playoff predictions. We're going to do a bracket live on here. We're going to go through March Madness style together. We're going to pick the outcome that I think is most likely to happen. So I appreciate the super chat, Scott. You segue me out for the second time. Make sure to tune into the, the next episode of the Smoke Break this week where we will do... Um, we will do... Um, the bracket. We will go through it once again. Uh, another outro that I got to stop because I just realized that I haven't even told you the, the, the uh, well, this is unbelievable. Strike three, you're out, bot. You can't do three in a row. I keep feeling like I, I have good ending points and then I get reminded of something and I'm like, dude, you know, you got one more thing. And that one more thing is a massive thing. And I want you guys to listen up because look at, listen, we, the bills have an opportunity here. We just got done talking about all the things going the direction for these Buffalo bills and how it could be. It could be the year. It really could be the year for these bills. It's as good of a chance as they've had, right? So it could be the year the Buffalo bills make the Super Bowl, but it also could be the year that you go to the Super Bowl. And not only could you go and potentially watch these Buffalo Bills in that Super Bowl, you could go and do it for free. And that's courtesy of my friends over at BetUS. By the way, right now, BetUS, you go to the link in the bio, 125% sign-up bonus. You click that, you sign up, you get 125% sign-up bonus. And you can bet on the NFL playoffs, the NBA, the NHL, props, parlays, teasers, Everything in between, you name it. Tons of markets, of course, on BetUS, not to mention incredibly fast payouts and some of the best customer service in the game. But above all that, right now, they're doing an insane giveaway, and you can get in on it, okay? Here's the deal. BetUS is giving away Super Bowl tickets. Here's how to enter. You go over to BetUS. So what you do, go to the link in my bio right now, click on it, Go sign up, get that 125% sign up bonus, then go and place a $25 bet or more on any of the upcoming NFL playoff games. Take a screenshot of that bet and then head over to Twitter. Start up a post with the screenshot, tag bet us, and then tag the friend you would take to the Super Bowl with you if you want a pair of tickets. Add alongside of that the hashtag BetUSLVIII and boom. Hit send, tweet that out, you're automatically entered to win. 
The contest will end on January 25th. The winner will be announced on January 26th. Super Bowl tickets for free. You can't beat it. Now, if what I just said seemed a little bit long-winded, I understand. That's why I got a perfect little promo here for you. You can screenshot it, take a look at it, follow the steps. You'll automatically be entered. Here is the more uh, the, that information from BetUS. BetUS, America's favorite sports book, where you can bet on everything, anytime. Sportsbook, casino, horse racing, live betting, and more. We have the best bonuses in the industry. That's right, get a 125% sign-up bonus. And to celebrate our 30-year anniversary, we are giving up to 30 risk-free bets, a truck, Super Bowl tickets, and more. Don't miss out. Play smart. Join now. BetUS, where the game begins. There it is. Bet you ass, baby. Down in the link below. Click it. 125% sign up bonus. Then follow all those steps. You're entered to win free Super Bowl tickets. All right. I'm not going to strike out. I got my two errors, but this time we're hitting it out of the park. We're done so tonight. But like I said, keep an eye out on my Twitter feed and my uh, and the YouTube feed here because we got another smoke break coming your way this week. We're going to dive deep into Bill's Steelers. We're also going to go through and predict what we think happens here in the playoffs. I can't wait. But until the mean, uh, until then, in the meantime here, enjoy this win, man. Enjoy being AFC East champs. It was the most improbable one to date, yet the sweetest of them all. It's incredible. So enjoy it. Stay safe. And I will see you on that next episode. Keep it locked on Twitter and YouTube for the information on that. And I'll see you there. Steelers around the corner. Let's get it done, baby. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the rest of the national championship. Hopefully Washington pulls their head out of their ass. And go Bills. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.